Back here at Schneider Arena, second intermission with Merrimack trailing Providence 3-1. to one. Mike McMahon joins us here from the Mac Report and the Eagle Tribune. And Mike, well, we wondered what was going to happen once they finally got into big-time hockey East play and going up against the team that was the preseason favorite in the league, and the Friars have had the better of the play for much of the game so far. Yeah, they've certainly controlled the possession so far. It's not something that I think that it's been conducive to success for Merrimack. They've controlled the possession most of their games this year, but it just hasn't happened here tonight so far. I mean, they really have, uh, when they have had the puck, Providence has gotten sticks on her pretty much right away. They've been able, not been able to do very much even with the possessions that they've had. I did think as that second period went along that Merrimack played better, things got better for them. They did get the power play, and well, it was the freshman line sent out there on the power play that scored the goal, a nice one from Hennig, but that made it 2-1, to one, and I guess, you know, if you get to the locker room at down 2-1, to one, you got to feel good because you have been outplayed for most of the game, but that last shift of the period just really killed them. Yeah, you know, late goals at the end of periods hurt most of the time, uh, but I, I think at the end of the second, especially the way this game has gone where they've been outplayed, that one's going to hurt a lot just because they haven't been able to get much going with the puck, so uh, they, they were running around there towards the end of that period, too. I mean, they had the post, uh, Providence had hit the post, Tiernan had bailed them out with a couple of big saves, they couldn't get the puck out of the zone, and then they ended up getting scored on there with one about 23 seconds left, so uh, that one definitely hurts in a game where they're struggling to hold possession, uh, they need to play, you know, they, they play pretty, two poor pretty period, uh, two pretty poor periods for the most part. Uh, they're going to have to come out with their best effort this period. I feel like it's difficult to find an area in which they played better than Providence tonight. I mean, maybe you could argue uh, Tiernan because he's faced so many more shots. Maybe you could argue penalty kill because until the last 11 seconds, their penalty kill had killed off two five-on-threes and almost four out of four in the game. But, uh, you know, for the most part, they have been outplayed tonight. So the question is, uh, we, we do still have another period to go tonight, but what happens tomorrow night uh, to change the, the fortunes back down to North Andover? Well, I think going home certainly helps. I think when you have these home-and-home home series, the team that plays at home the second night. I'm, I'm not sure if it's a big advantage, but it's nice to know no matter what happens that first night that you're coming home the next night. Uh, I think it's easier mentally uh, than getting outplayed at home, let's say, on a Friday, and then you go, oh man, i got to go on the road the next night. So uh, I think the fact that they're coming home definitely helps. They, they obviously have played much better in their building, uh, not only this year, but, but historically. But I think maybe this might be a wake-up call, too. I mean, they have had things, not, not that they've had things easy, but they, they, the game, the situations they put themselves in, a lot of the games they've played this year, they've had a pretty easy go of it. Other than maybe that Mercyhurst game and the UConn game last Friday in the, in the two first periods against UConn, and then that second Mercyhurst game, uh, they, they put themselves in good positions to have a lot of success, and, and they've been able to, to sort of play with the puck more uh, in, in most of these first seven games. They haven't played with the puck very much tonight, so. I think going home definitely helps that. Uh, just to look at the numbers, they've been able to, to play much better, both from a, a, a one-loss standpoint and just how much they've controlled the puck at home than they have been in the road. Want a question? Do they get Chris LeBlanc back tomorrow night? What do you think? Uh, I think they might. It sounded like yesterday when, when we talked to, to Mark Denny that they were hoping to have a couple of those guys in this weekend, maybe for one game, or if not both. And uh, This sort of seemed to be the weekend that they were targeting back at the beginning of the year. I remember when I, when I talked to Chris for a story back before the season started, the middle to end of September. He was sort of saying that you know the first, second week of November is where he was hoping to be. Uh, so there's right at that point now. It's all up to how he feels, though. I mean, I know with that type of injury, it can be anywhere from nine months to twelve months. It's a it's a pretty big window, uh, and I think 
it all depends on how he feels, but he seems to be feeling good from what from what uh, Coach Denny he was saying yesterday. So uh, I think if you're going to play him one out of these two nights, it's better to play him for the second night. First of all, he's either at home, he's not playing a road game where he's on the bus and then has to stretch that leg out. Uh, he gets to be at home, gets to open the season at home, uh, and also uh, I think it might help to get an extra body in there for the second night, a fresh body in there for the second night, especially with the game, the way this game is going. How about Aaron Titkin? What are you hearing about him? He was hurt last week in the Utah game. Uh, not, you know, I'm not sure. I think he might be a, a couple more games. Uh, I know it, 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 he took a pretty rough hit there against Utah. I actually, I, I saw it only on video, but I know he was he was banged up pretty good and he was feeling it. So I'm not sure if we'll see him tomorrow or next week or even the week after what the timetable is. Uh, Coach Ned, he did yesterday say that they're all pretty much day to day. He would categorize all the guys as day to day. So I guess there's there's a chance we might you might see him in the lineup tomorrow. I think it's more likely you see LeBlanc than Tidcombe tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, you could look ahead the next week and he might be in there, especially with two games tomorrow. We're talking with Mike McMahon from the back Report and the Eagle Tribune. Uh, what other stories are you following, Mike? What else is going on? Uh, there's a lot going on, certainly. When we look around the rest of the league, obviously BC and BU tonight. Uh, we had some coverage, uh, some preview stuff up on CHN for that game, and I know I think Joe Maloney from CHN is there for us tonight. Uh, and that's, it's funny, I, I talked to a, a, a uh, Western Conference scout about that game last night, and he pointed out that not only is it a feather in the cap of college hockey to have those two players, Jack Eichel and Noah Hannafin, two of the guys that are probably going to be in the top three, if not the top five picks in the NHL draft this coming summer, to have them both play college hockey, but to have them play right down the street from each other. It's almost like a few years ago uh, in the Ontario Hockey League, when you had Taylor Hall and Tyler Sagan both playing you know, up against each other. They, you knew they were going to be the one or number two picks, and they were battling it out. Uh, Hannafin and, and Eichel aren't battling for one and two because Connor McDavid, who's in the AOHL, is, is in that conversation too. But Eichel and Hannafin might be in the top three. Eichel certainly. Hannafin is, is making a case to be in the top three. So it's a it's a pretty interesting storyline, and, and I think it's good for college hockey that not only those guys are, are right down the street playing down the road from each other, for, for hockey East fans anyway, but just the fact that they both stuck it out and chose to go to college hockey, chose to go the college hockey route because I'm sure they had options You know, since they were 16 when they were drafted both into the – they were both going to be drafted after the Quebec League uh, to have options to go there and, and to wait it out and go to college, go play college hockey. I think it's, it's good for college hockey. I also think it's better for them. Uh, they're going to get more time in the, on the practice record. They're going to get more time in the weight room to get a little stronger, which at 18 years old, that's what most kids need. All right, Mike, third period coming up here. The Warriors down by two. What do you see happening here? Uh, I think they're going to come out, obviously, with their best period. Excuse me. First thing, stay out of the box. Uncharacteristically, they, they've had a couple of uh, instances tonight where they've taken some penalties and they've grouped them. So they, Providence has had two pretty long five-on-threes. Uh, they haven't scored on, e on either one of them, but you're taking possession time away from yourself where you can have the puck in the offensive zone to score some goals, especially where they're down two. Uh, if they get opportunities in the power play, certainly with 20 minutes left, it's going to be big to capitalize on, on them there as well. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. We appreciate it. Uh, folks, check out his work at the Eagle Tribune or the eagletribune.com or themacreport.com. Mike McMahon's been our guest. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Mike McMahon, our guest here with the score. Merrimack trailing Providence 3-1 to one after 2. Back with more after this. This is Warrior Hockey.